Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of Responsive Design Weekly Podcast. My name is Justin Avery. My name is Justin Avery and I am the host and curator of the Responsive Design Weekly. Oh man, what's going on with this intro music? It's killing me. Shh. There we go. So, uh, it's been a while since I've got... <laughs> It's been a while since we've done this podcast, and and because it's been a while, this is incredibly unprofessional and poorly done. So for one, I've already recorded a 15-minute podcast where I forgot to hit record. I only played the intro music, and then while fooling around, fooling, fooling around with it, uh, I've made the intro music go for longer, which has thrown me off my second one, and while I was trying to get the voice to work properly... I've somehow got it set on male radio noisy voice, which seems to be giving me a little bit of an echo. But then I started playing around with it a little bit more, and I was like, well, if I can make it echo, maybe I can make it really echo, and started like trying to do uh, stadium announcers as well. But anyway, beside the point, welcome back, and thank you for joining me again. I've, I apologize it's been so long in between, um, in between podcasts, but here we are. We are back. Um, there is no guest this week. Thank goodness. Uh, it would be incredibly embarrassing if there was a guest on this edition because, uh, yeah, it hasn't got off to the best of starts. Uh, and I would have recorded a whole, uh, like an hour or 45 minutes with them and, uh, we wouldn't have had anything to show for it. So what I have just done, so I should be able to do this with a little bit well, a little bit faster, is I've just got uh, this week, what I wanted to do is try and get back into the swing of things. So go through uh, this week's newsletter um, in snippets. So I, I do a lot of traveling um, or commuting in. Uh, so I spend like 40 minutes on the train in the morning, which is great because I get to go through my Twitter feed and read a whole bunch of news articles and uh, collect a whole bunch of articles for, for this newsletter. So it's a, it's a really good use of time and I can I can play around and get some Wi-Fi on the train or do some local development. Um, but then I walk from the station into work and it's like a 30-minute walk and um, I can't I can't read. Uh, I sometimes listen to podcasts. Um, but yeah, I can't read anything from that for that journey. So what I like to do is either listen to audiobooks or podcasts. So I figured when I don't have a guest, I can just read the newsletter and give some commentary around it so anyone that uh, is traveling can sort of have a bit of a listen and uh, they can sort of think about it and go, well, I'm going to go visit that site when I get into work. So that's what we're going to do this week and let's kick it off. Um, this week, it's, uh, well, first, let's just quickly talk about um, there's two conferences coming up, which I highly recommend you should go and see. Uh, the first is Pixel Pioneers. Uh, that is going to be in Belfast on the 16th of November. And they've got some amazing speakers, uh, three that I've seen in the past, uh, two in person, one I haven't, but I've watched a video and it is terrific. Uh, Christopher Murphy, fantastic speaker and native to Belfast, I believe. Um, Harry Roberts, who I saw just the other week at Reasons 2 talking about this very, very thing, um, which is all about performance. Uh, and then Una Kravitz, who is uh, amazing. She runs uh, Tools Day or is one half of Tools Day, which is another great podcast you should go and check out. 
uh, if you haven't heard it already. Um, and she's going to be talking about how awesome uh, CSS is and how powerful it is. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of other speakers. Very cool. 16th of November in Belfast, Pixel Pioneers. Go and check that out. The other one I wanted to mention was I mentioned it in the newsletter last week and I misspelled it. So I have to say, sorry, Mark. I know beyond Telerand, I've been a couple of times and I always spell it with just one R. So I apologize. I will get there one day. But um, Beyond Telerand, originally starting in Dusseldorf, expanded and spread its wings to uh, be in Berlin, um, which I think is in Berlin in November of this year. Uh, but I think they're sold out of that. But there is another one on due to the demand. It is in Munich in February, and I'm very much looking forward to getting over for that as well. So if you're around Europe or you want to make a trip, um, Beyond Telerand, Best conference, hands down, best conference I've ever been to. So definitely check that out in Munich next year in February. All right, so this week we've been doing, or the last couple of weeks, there's been a ton of different things uh, shared as usual, um, but a lot of it is really starting to focus around grid and grid layout. And this week our two headlines focus around that as well. Um, they're both by the two smartest people, I believe, um, who are working with Grid at the moment. So the first one is Rachel Andrews. So she's written an article for Smashing Magazine called CSS Grid Gotchas and Stumbling Blocks. And in that, because we're sort of learning grid layout at the moment, these two amazing people have been like living the spec for the past few years. And they have been experimenting and they know the areas that are causing issues in the way that we usually develop sites. So they're being super helpful by coming out and saying, here are all the problems and here's how to fix them. Um, and when I say problems, there's not problems with the spec. It's just things that you would expect based on a float-based layout or based on flex and how it differs from grid. And when I say differ, grid is better. It is so much better. Anyway, so there's one on Smashing Magazine, CSS Grid Gotchas and Stumbling Blocks by Rachel Andrew. And the second is the CSS Grid Playground, which is by Jen, and it sits over on Mozilla. Um, this Mozilla Playground is really great. It dives into, well, it starts off by covering the terminology like grid lines and what's a grid cell, what's a grid area. What's a grid track? What's a grid row? What's a grid column? What's a grid template? So it sort of takes you through the very basics, uh, teaches you how to build a grid, a very basic one, um, talks about the Firefox dev tools, which if you're getting into grid, download either the developer edition of Firefox or the nightly version of Firefox. And once you have that downloaded, uh, you, you're just going to be in a much better place because the dev tools in there are so much better than the ones in Chrome. You can see the grid, you can select it, you can do a whole bunch of very cool stuff with it. <clears throat> this is the problem too. If you do this twice without water, your throat gets dry. Um, but from the DevTools, they talk about fraction units, which is just a different unit. So it's an FR unit instead of using percentages the reason why that's a benefit as well. And you can actually mix your units. So you can do pixels, you can do percentages, you can do M's, you can do fractions. It's very, very flexible. Uh, it tells you how to position items, how to do basic layouts, 
tells you how to create template areas so that you can, if you create um, a header section which spans your whole grid, you can call it header. And then when you're going to position the header there, you just say position this in the header. And it just goes there straight away. Um, yeah, very, very cool, very cool. Anyway, so that article is tremendous, especially if you're just getting started. Um, I've done uh, quite a bit of stuff with uh, playing around with it. Um, but I still learn something new every time I do like go through the basics as well. Uh, another thing that uh, is in this week is uh, the BBC who are talking about, um, and this was from about a month ago, I think, but talking about um, content on the web and, and news articles and how it hasn't really changed over the last 20 years. We just kind of slap 800 words and it's a column and you just read it top to bottom. And they've been experimenting with different ways of being able to consume content, being able to produce content on the web for us to consume. And they're looking at like maybe we can start consuming it sideways. So either a, um, a horizontal scroll or a, a flip between the pages. So there's a, a few just design um, explorations, some tests. I think them, um, the FT have looked at ways of doing this as well. Um, and there's also been some really interesting articles that have come out of, I want to say it's the New York Times, they've been doing some good stuff as well. Um, so that's quite cool. And it sort of feeds into the next article, which was um, by Chris Coyer from CSS Tricks. And he looks at how different CMSs handle content blocks. So when you create content, like you create an article, uh, generally you just drop all of your, well, in the past, you just drop all of your content into like a WYSIWYG and it's just one big blob of content. And so if you ever want to do anything with that content, you have to do something with the whole thing. And he looks at how different CMSs might handle chunking up that content into blocks. Because when you can chunk them up into blocks, you can do things like the BBC are looking at. So you can change the way in which someone consumes an entire article if you can programmatically chunk them into different areas. And also, if you're going to do a redesign, it's a lot easier if they're chunked into, into reusable areas as well. So it goes through a whole bunch like WordPress and Drupal and Modex and Craft and Kirby. And then people in the comments have left a whole bunch of other types of like other CMSs and, and how they handle it as well. So that's a really cool article. Um, and definitely, if you know ways of uh, how to chunk up your content a little bit better with some of those CMSs, definitely drop in uh, a comment there as well to, to help others learn. There's a, a bit of a focus. Uh, there's a couple of articles that focus on performance this week as well. Uh, one person talks through, um, they're creating a well, what will be an open source uh, progressive web app that will hook into Magento 2, and it's a view-based uh, progressive web app. So that's quite interesting, um, but just a lot about the theory of how they've come up with the design and, and the approach as well. But Tammy Everts, 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 I think, um, she, uh, she's just joined Speed Curve and she's been speaking recently with uh, some e-commerce providers and shop fronts about how they can improve their performance. So she's written a article, A Retailer's Guide to Web Performance, and it's really good because aside from the stuff like the images that we're used to, like it should, we shouldn't have uh, blocking JavaScript, we should 
um, load the critical CSS, we should uh, not make the page super heavy, we should optimize our images. But what this article kind of focuses on is around the stuff that we don't always think about, and especially e-commerce stores. Um, and it's the tracking, it's the third-party things that get dropped on. So what tends to happen is you'll drop maybe Google Analytics on, and you'll be like, right, so Google Analytics is there, we'll track that. And then someone will say, well, I've got this thing called Go Squared or Mixpanel or, or something else that we want to track users, and so that gets dropped on. And then there's Optimizely because they want to optimize the page. Then there's Hotjar for the same thing. And then there's another tracking, like a Facebook pixel, and then there's a, another pixel, and then another tracking pixel for another uh, retailer or, or, or another thing to, to get more data. And we all of a sudden, the developers get tired of this, and they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of adding these pixels. Why don't we just drop Google Tag Manager on the page, and then marketing, and they can just drop whatever they want on. And that just destroys the site. And then you've got like hundreds of these tracking pixels that are going to go on there and they will cause an issue. So she talks about how you can use a tool like SpeedCurve as well uh, to go through and track those third-party uh, pixels and the third-party JavaScripts that are actually being used on the pages and, and see whether or not they're causing any delay to the load as well. So for me, oh, I've got like a, a little side business. Like I have um, my pocket notebook business called Back Pocket Notebooks and I run it on Shopify and Shopify is great because I've got a ton of control over the templates. Um, it's a SaaS service. It's really easy to use. Um, but there are some issues in that I can't do everything that I really want to. So I would love to, to turn the site into a progressive web app. But I can't because it's a, a SaaS-based product. When you upload um, any JavaScript files, they don't get referenced at the at the root. They get referenced in an assets folder. So service workers just can't be registered, which is a big shame. Um, there's a couple of others this week. Uh, there's one specifically around designing websites for the iPhone X. But the last time I ran through this, this was like another 10 minutes <clears throat> of me talking about it. But essentially, go and check that article out. When the iPhone 10 comes out, we will need to go against what I have been preaching in saying that don't target specific devices. I, I still think we don't have to target the iPhone 10 specifically, but we will have to do something a little bit different to allow our websites to still go edge to edge with the new iPhone. So the new iPhone 10, if you haven't seen it, is kind of like edge to edge. There's, um, it's just all glass, all display. And to allow for the camera to still be there, they've included a notch at the top which comes over part of the display. And of course, if you don't extend your websites out to be full screen, like the full bleed, um, then you'll get these white bars either side of it. Uh, but then if you do do that, then the notch could sit over the top of some of your content. So this is just how, <coughs> how you can go about uh, implementing something which uh, gets you past that as well. So I did mouth blog how to do it before, but it was confusing and it's probably better if you just read the article. So go check that out. Um, but that's about it for this week. I have another, I've got a code pen in there as well for a, a responsive magazine layout 
um, which is just lovely. Uh, so this is using uh, CSS Grid um, and some. it's got some really strong typography, big type, um, and all laid out using the grid. So it's a very cool little example. Um, I'm also working through, if anyone has the, um, the grid layout book, so there's uh, the Grid Systems and Graphic Design by Joseph Muller-Brockman. Um, anyone who did any kind of graphic design probably has this in their bookshelf. Um, it's a wonderful book, but on page like 94 and 95, they've got uh, a 4 by 8 grid. So how do you set a grid on 32 fields? And there's some sketches there. So over the next couple of weeks, in prep for the uh, for the Adobe Max conference, I'm going through and just sort of uh, building out those layouts in the way they've got in the book using uh, Grid. Super simple, really easy, and it's you don't need hardly any hardly any markup, just the content that you need to use. So it's very cool. So definitely advise you to go and check out CSS Grid if you haven't. Check out those articles for this week. Definitely subscribe to the newsletter, and until next week. Stay responsive and thank you again for downloading. Cheers. Bye.